This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is off today. You likely heard in Zoomer Radio news this morning about nine people being sent to hospital last night in Mississauga after a carbon monoxide scare in a home. Thankfully, everyone will be okay. There was also a horrific story in the news yesterday. Four people killed in a house fire in Oshawa. So our next segment focuses on fire safety and protection against carbon monoxide in our homes. Let's talk about this devastating house fire first. Uh, We go to our guest for this segment, Nancy McDonald-Duncan. She's the Assistant Chief Fire Prevention and Life Safety at Mississauga Fire and Emergency Services. Nancy, thank you for joining us. No problem. (laughs) Now, I know this is not your district, Oshawa, but would it be safe to say the smoke detectors or at least one or some of the smoke detectors weren't working just based on um, the tragic outcome of that fire? Um, It it would be difficult for me to say because it is in our area, but from my understanding is that, yes, there was issues with the smoke alarms. And what is the law? We need a refresher, I think. So with smoke alarms, you are required to have them in every home, on every story, outside of the bedroom, outside of sleeping areas. Um, so um, in a building that may have sleeping areas on one, one floor and you might have something else on a different floor, you still are required to have those smoke alarms on every, every story. A smoke alarm on every story of your home. And, I mean, is there something as a reminder to make sure that if they're battery-operated, if they're hooked up to an alarm system, should there be some sort of process whereby you have, you know, you check off that they're working? Is this a monthly thing, a yearly thing? What what would you advise? Well, we certainly recommend that smoke alarms be tested on a monthly basis to make sure that the batteries are working. And even when they're hardwired, just simply to make sure that they're still operating the way they're intended. So we would suggest uh, definitely on a monthly basis to test them. Uh, If they're battery operated, we um, recommend that the batteries be changed um, when the time changes, so twice a year. Um, And again, they should be replaced according to the manufacturer's instructions, but certainly no no, um, less than every 10 years. And and is there some sort of process uh, within municipalities in Ontario whereby uh, somebody official comes to check on your home to make sure that they're working? Or is this this really left up to the individual property owner? So there's different uh, programs in place throughout the like Ontario, uh, depending on what the municipality is that you live in. So there are some home um, door-to-door sort of programs that where the fire crews come, they knock on the door, they ask if they can have a look and check the smoke alarms. Um, and if it's not working, they replace it. Those happen usually throughout the summer months. The difficulty with those types of programs is quite often um, people aren't home or the time that they come isn't convenient, so it doesn't get get done. 
Uh, but we do encourage, um, especially the elderly, if they have issues or concerns with their smoke alarms, to give us a call and we'll come by and check them um, to make sure that they are working. And on that note, if you do have a question for Nancy, Nancy McDonald-Duncan, she's uh, with Mississauga Fire and Emergency Services. If you have a question about your smoke detectors, your carbon monoxide detector, which we're going to discuss as well, we welcome your phone calls, 416-360-0740, toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Now, Nancy, if the smoke detectors are working as they should on every level of your home, would it be fair to say that in most cases everybody could get out safely in the event of a fire? Certainly the whole purpose of, uh, and I just want to clarify, there's a difference between a smoke detector and a smoke alarm. Okay. A smoke alarm is a standalone device that we find in most single-family dwellings. Uh, a smoke detector is a device that you would find usually in multi, uh, and it, it's hooked up to an actual fire alarm system. Okay. Um, so if your fire alarms, uh, if your smoke alarms are working, um, yes, the, the intent of it is the early warning so that, you know, all occupants will hear that there's an emergency and will evacuate as quickly as they can. So it's, it's important to have that, uh, that initial early warning as soon as possible so people can evacuate. And, and in a situation where a fire breaks out, is it, is it most common, um, with electric, little small electrical units, heaters, is it, are, are we more prone to fires, I guess, during the winter months? Uh, so if, fires usually occur all year long, and, it, and there's, there's a number of causes. Our, our leading causes, <coughs> excuse me, our leading causes with fires, um, we uh, mostly see electrical fires are, are one of the leading causes. Uh, careless smoking uh, or dis guarding of smoking materials is another leading cause. Uh, sometimes the um, in the winter months when you're talking about fires happening in the winter, it's just the uh, improper disposal of hot embers from a wood fireplace. They think they've disposed of it uh, outside, and in fact, it's on a combustible deck, and, and that can start it. Oh, so mm-hmm. um, those are sort of the... the real big causes. However, there can be many causes. Um, you know, uh, cooking unattended is another very big, um, uh, a large number of fires occur from, from unattended cooking. You start well, cooking, you get yes. called away for something and you forget. And in that case in Brooklyn, uh, with the multiple deaths in that apartment building, it was a small child who was playing with the burners. Yes, exactly. So in in that case, I mean... It's just a tragic situation because you obviously can't have your eye on your children at every moment of every day. And yet that is something we definitely have to discuss with our children and our grandchildren. Fire safety. Absolutely. Let's talk about a family fire plan. Um, This is something I can remember my kids coming home from school wanting to discuss with me that they talked about in school. What does a a fire plan look like? So a fire breaks out, how does everybody act in that moment? Yeah, so fire escape planning is very important, and we really encourage it to, as a family, to sit down and talk about it. So if the fire were to occur in this location, what are your two ways out? How would you get out? Uh, so if it happened that you're in bed and a, and a fire, you know, the, the fire alarm goes off, what's the plan? How, how, where do you go? And then once you're out of the building, where then do you go so that everybody hooks up together and everybody knows that every member is out of the building? Um, so, uh, you know, we we try to teach that at, at young ages. We hand out many uh, brochures on that. We take every opportunity we can to reinforce it with the community that, um, you know, the best 
the best plan you have, if you've talked about it, if you've practiced it, those are going to be the successes when a, a fire emergency occur because you're already prepared, you've already thought about it, you know what you're going to do, and you just act instead of having to think during that, you know, very traumatic and very, um, you know, uh, busy event, um, you may not think the same way you would um, if you've already planned it out. And the other part of the equation uh, that we wanted to discuss based on that carbon monoxide scare in a home in Mississauga last night, everybody is okay, but CO detectors are the law. You have to have one of those in every sleeping area of your home, right? Since uh, 2014 in Ontario. That's correct. Uh, so explain to us how that works, how, how it, the CO detector does its job in protecting you. So the one thing about the CO alarm that's, uh, again, a little bit different than the smoke alarm is that CO actually um, it combines with air equally, so it's not a matter of you have to have the alarm at the top, at the ceiling level. The CO alarm can be at any level, and it's still going to capture um, a CO if it's, if it's there. Um, so, you know, it, it, the importance of it and the reason why that law was put into place, of course, is that we had a number of tragedies on Ontario, and that's why the government, um, you know, felt that this, this law was required in leg- as part of legislation. Prior to that, many communities, Mississauga was one of them, had a carbon monoxide bylaw, which required people to have those alarms in place under the bylaw. Now, since then, because the legislation overrides the bylaw, uh, it's not necessary, and we just enforce the actual fire code. And, of course, the building code itself also requires them. So at what level is the carbon monoxide when the detector goes off? Obviously, everybody is still safe and, and, um, and able to be conscious enough to get out of the house. Yeah, so the parts, I wouldn't have the exact numbers as to, because every uh, device would be somewhat different as to that, but it, it's meant to go off at the earliest indication that there is any level. And then what happens with that is when you call emergency services, they'll bring in a gas detector and they'll actually determine what what the level is at that time and whether or not it's, um, and they'll look to see what exactly is causing it as well. Um, usually though, there's symptoms. If, so if you have carbon monoxide in your house and it's just at a very low level, you usually get flu-like symptoms. So usually tired, headache, shortness of breath, you know, a little bit of motor impairment, uh, like muc- muscle weakness. Uh, but at the higher levels, if you've been exposed for um, you know long periods of time, you're going to feel dizzy, and you're going to have chest pains, and you're going to have poor vision, and you know difficulty thinking. You won't be able to think it, like straight. And then at the very high levels, when you've been suggest, um, subjected to it for long periods of time at very high levels, you know you can uh, run into convulsions, uh, a coma, and uh, of course ultimately um, death if you're if you're exposed for that that long, long period of time at those high levels. Well, we certainly appreciate the refresher. Um, it's a good conversation to have uh, every so often just to remind us about uh, that our smoke alarms and our CO detectors are working because they can save our lives, clearly. Nancy, thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad I could, uh, could add a little bit of information. It's always good to hear that people want to know about fire safety and these emergency safety things that they can have in their home. We, we are not... Uh, we're never happy to have to respond um, to, you know, a tragedy. And yeah. so the more people know, the more they can protect themselves. Wonderful. Thanks, Nancy. Nancy McDonald-Duncan, Mississauga Fire and Emergency Services. Jane for Libby. Libby off today, but Michelle Saunders was here. Producer Michelle Saunders, thank you. And technical producer Mirna Trogolich. Uh, the news and the traffic up next here on Zoomer. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.